With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, newly of the On3 Network. And the Talking Tide podcast, of course, available to you wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And, of course, uh, you can catch us live on YouTube and Facebook as well. Give us a, a like and or a subscribe in those locales. And, of course, on Twitter, the handle is talking underscore tired. You can get links to all of our podcasts right there on that Twitter feed. So give that a follow as well. The Talking Tide podcast, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. We'll hear more about Peter Brook a little bit later in the program. Travis, though, we, we kind of rejoin here uh, at the beginning of July. We've had a couple weeks off here on the podcast. It's a little been it's been basically dead for uh, hard news on the Alabama athletics front of late for the most part. Um, but uh, football-wise, certainly uh, one of the – one of the latest uh, stories of note is uh, the apparent departure of Jamil Burroughs, the Alabama defensive tackle, uh, who uh, apparently reportedly looking to transfer, is looking to transfer. Um, there's some reports he was actually in the portal. I'm not quite sure how that works because the portal window closed on April 30th. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's just Jamil's way of saying I'm going to hit the portal as soon as I can. I don't know, uh, but. Uh, uh, looks like Jamil's moving on. It does. Uh, and a guy who flashed, you know, at different stages of his career, and you kind of thought maybe this could be the year for him to step forward, although and you did understand that Alabama was bringing back Jaheim Otis on the nose. And I think Justin Aboigby coming back for that fifth year uh, kind of pushed Jamil back a little bit too, going into 2023 and – uh, you know, Tim Smith, obviously in that mix, but again, a guy that as much as anything flash uh, just hasn't really been able or hadn't been able to really put it together over an extended stretch, a couple different times in his stretch with Alabama, you thought, well, this might be where he, you know, picks it up, especially after a Boigby went out last season, but uh, he's a little bit of a tweener too. Is he a nose tackle? Is he an end? Uh, I think he's package specific. He can't give you some interior pass rush. And I say all this, and I think there'll be a market for Jamil Burroughs. I mean, the value for that position and those kind of guys, uh, even though it it didn't really go according to plan for him at Alabama Chase Hill, I, I can see him laying in at a power five somewhere. He kind of has Colorado maybe on him a little bit. It smells a little bit like maybe a, a Colorado guy, maybe. I, I don't have any intel, but that's, that's yeah, the type of coaching. That's the type of move I could see anyway for Jamil Burroughs. There's been a coach or two to head that way from Tuscaloosa. So it, it wouldn't be surprising. You know, you mentioned he's a little bit of a tweener. 
I think you're right about that. I think you look at a, lot, a guy like Jamil Burroughs and, you know, he's a tall guy. He's got length. And, of course, that's that's a plus um, at pretty much any position. And, and it can help you in pass rush for sure, help you knock down passes at the line of scrimmage. The flip side of that, Travis, though, is if you're a, a pure DT or a pure nose tackle and you're tall and long, it can be difficult for you to get leverage on a center or a guard who's got a little bit on you in terms of power, um, but is built a little lower to the ground. And so I, I think that's kind of what makes a guy like Burroughs a, a little bit of a tweener as far as inside versus outside. Yeah, this is, again, a guy that at times was disruptive. Um, you even saw in the A-Day game, uh, he caused some problems working with that second team defense and uh, a guy that could help those linebackers get freed up to make some plays because there were times where you needed to account for him with multiple blockers. He could he could take on blocks and keep those guys uh, clean behind him. But again, a uh, little bit of a shame that it just never truly came together for Jamil at Alabama. And you, know, you wish him well and hope it works out wherever he ends up. All right, Travis, moving on. The next topic, the NCAA, we're going broader here, um, certainly impacts Alabama like it does any other major college athletics program. Uh, but uh, we're shooting out to 30,000 feet now, basically talking NCAA and NIL. The NCAA puts out a memo to all member schools this past week, basically amounts as a warning shot on NIL saying this is this is allowed, this is not. And not only that, but – and this – I thought this was pretty bold, and I can't wait to see if it can be backed up. But, you know, the memo says, Travis, we don't care what the state law says. You're going to do what we tell you to do. And if you don't, watch out. I mean, that's what I took from it. I don't know how any school could take anything else from it. It basically says, look, this is a uh, – your membership in the right. NCAA is voluntary. And because yeah. it's voluntary, you're you, you're going to go by all our rules. If you don't like them, then I guess you can move out. Is the message yeah. uh, that that's being sent? Uh, but you know, the NCAA at the same time has been beaten in court on this topic and others routinely enough, Travis, that you wonder if this is all bark and zero bite. Well, I'll tell you where it's it's all. By, uh, bark is you kind of alluded to it enforcement that yeah. they've been saying this right and and how much has it really slowed down uh some schools of note some programs of note some athletic departments of note in terms of as a recruiting enticement not so much once the student athletes get on campus you know enroll get involved in these uh programs uh Come and get us is essentially what the member schools, some of them have said. And I don't blame them, to be honest with you, because the NCAA for a long time now has not been able to adequately enforce its own rules. So, you know, why, why, why is that? How's that going to change with more to enforce? They have more than ever to try to enforce now with NIL. And it's largely the membership's fault. Because they weren't proactive. They allowed the toothpaste to get out of the tube. And now they're trying to do whatever they can to get it back. It's 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 out the gate in 88. 
when it comes to NIL and these things, Chase? It's- there, there's no doubt. There's, and the trend, uh, and, I, and I wrote about this for the Tuscaloosa News here on Sunday, the trend has, has gone like this. Like two years ago, the birthday of NIL, NIL is celebrating its second birthday this weekend, right? It's exactly mm-hmm. two years old is the NIL era. And when it launched two summers ago, you had lots of states have they had laws ready to rock, already passed and basically enacted on day one for NIL. Mm-hmm. Most of those laws dealt with guardrails for athletes and schools, right? And some states didn't have a law at all, uh, which, which you know, you, obviously you could do that as well. Well, over the course of six to 12 months, every, as, as college football and basketball got a lay of the land, college athletics in general, well, then the sentiment became, why do we have a law at all? Right. Because because the law we got puts us in a, a bad spot compared to this other state over here that's got no law at all. So let's repeal. Mm-hmm. That's what Alabama did. Alabama repealed its law after about seven months. It was only on the books for about seven months. They're like, forget this law. Somebody, you know, these other states are doing better than we are. Let's just throw this law out. Let's go with no law. Well, that's fine. That's what a lot that, that's that was the trend for a while. That's great. Well, now, Travis, the new laws that are coming in are they don't police schools and athletes they're policing the ncaa you look at the missouri law that just got passed this past may and it's not the only one you read these laws now that are coming into place that they've got they say very little about what schools can and can't they say a lot about what schools can do very little if anything about what they can't do and same with the athletes but they specifically make it illegal for any entity, whether it's the SEC or a conference or the NCAA to punish their schools or athletes or even investigate. The Missouri law says you can't even investigate. Yeah. Uh, uh, and by the way, uh, the Missouri also, the Missouri also law also Travis um, brings high school players into NIL revenue as long as they sign with an in-state school. <laughs> so now you've got these laws coming they're, in they're, they're, uh, in Missouri at the state. Yeah, Missouri's the state level, just one example, a, Travis. But. They're providing almost inducements like the University of Missouri would, you know, for in-state kids. No to doubt. Stay in-state. No doubt. And in the bottom, but the, the main point is, and it, it's in, instead of in, instead of putting a, a fence around what can be done by schools and athletes. They're putting a fence around what the NCAA can do. So it's going to be well, interesting the, to the, see the, if the, Alabama the, the decides big, to go ahead and do a new law or something. Uh, the probably the biggest winners in all this are attorneys, right? Cause uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's in the courts where this will be mostly bantied about, you know, I mean, it's already reasonable hours. Yes. Yes, the big one is. Yes. I get reports that that Tuberville Joe Manchin NIL bill might be coming down the pike here uh, fairly soon. Uh, And that, you know, who knows if that goes anywhere. The federal Manchin Manchin is Manchin's like Saban's best friend or one of or has been in the past. I mean, they grew up together. They're pals, you know, so Saban's got Manchin's ear. There's no doubt. Yeah. He's probably got Manchin's ear as much or more than he's got Tuberville's ear. 
I would yeah. think, because like you yeah. said, they do go way. They go further back than than Saban and Tuberville by oh, probably yeah. a lot. Uh, no, yeah, I mean you're going back to youth, I think, with Mansion. Yeah, in West Virginia. Yeah, so yeah, we will see what they come up with. I I don't expect federal legislation. We we touched on this before. I, I just I don't see Congress getting together on this. They can't get together on anything else. I don't know why they would on this subject. But the variance of state laws continues to be this this carousel of advantage versus disadvantage for all schools and but what uh, about the the aspect of you know what qualifies as an employee or you know yeah. the tax man i think mm-hmm. at some point could have a real interest in this at the federal level there yes yes and i think there are lawsuits pending that deal with employee status and, mm-hmm. and you know tax status some of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and if those and, and basically, those are the lawsuits. You know, the concept of amateurism has already basically been destroyed, but it's but it's still um, it's still on kind of a last leg, I guess, Travis. And these lawsuits now that are going to deal with employee status and tax status, that's the last leg. Right. I mean, if, yeah. the, if it doesn't go right for the NCA on those lawsuits, then, yeah, the amateur model's. 100 percent out the window if it didn't already and uh away we go for uh, yeah. a, a brand new era in college sports uh it's it, it's a new era every year it seems like at least lately yeah it's hard to keep up absolutely you know no doubt about it all right the talk of tie podcast on the belly up podcast network continuing on again the twitter feed is talking underscore tide give us a uh, quick follow there we'd appreciate that sponsored of course by peterbrook chocolatier travis tell them about it peterbrook chocolatier right there in tuscaloosa 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa specifically hey Still got those camps at Peterbrook Chocolatier. We're about halfway through the summer. Crazy, I know, in terms of kids and those summer months and trying to plug some holes on that calendar for the kiddies. 205-752-0211. Give them a call. They'll get you set up with the summer camps as they continue to roll on at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. It is getting hot, too, by the way. It is hot. It isn't getting hot. And so a great way to cool down also that outstanding gelato there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Nice assortment of flavors, handcrafted. You're going to love that as well. Gelato at Peterbrook Chocolatier right there, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, one of the best things about that Peterbrook Chocolatier summer camp right now, Travis, in Tuscaloosa is air conditioning, right? Yeah. Because it's 100 degrees outside Indoor all week activity. long. It has just been awful yeah. heat in Tuscaloosa this week for sure. And uh, Peterbrook will get you in that nice AC to make that chocolate. The kids love it. They have a great time. I've seen them. They just absolutely have a blast with it. And, uh, uh, yeah, it beats the outdoor camp and the cabin with a fan with no AC. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a lot. That, that Peterbrook summer camp's a lot better. Yeah, in a canoe, you know, and in a mosquito-infested lake or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Give me Peterbrook. 
Love it. All right. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on just a few more minutes in this abbreviated edition of Talking Tide. Travis, not a whole lot to talk about. We're going to hit that too deep tumbler in a few minutes like we typically do. One other uh, newsy note, though, Cam Robinson, the former Alabama left offensive tackle in a long time now, I guess. He's been with the Jags a long time, long-time Jacksonville Jaguar. Hit with a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. Um, you and I being Jacksonville natives, Jaguars guys, this comes up on our radar a little bit uh, louder than it, than it might if, if an Alabama was playing for, for some or other club in the NFL. But what are your thoughts on uh, – on Cam Robb and, and what this does to to uh, the, the Jags offense going into 2023. Well, the Jags get one former Alabama player back from suspension in Calvin Ridley and have another one go on in uh, Cam Robinson. So that's kind of the way it's working right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. You know, they took a first-round tackle in this latest draft, too. Anton Harrison uh, from Oklahoma chase which could be a foreshadowing of what's to come big picture wise but you know depending on how Harrison performs here and the uh, how he has looked so far in OTAs and then going into uh, camp and through camp you know obviously once Cam's good to go he's going to be back in there Um, but you just you don't like to see it obviously I mean you want to see him on the field Uh, he's made some nice money to this point in his career uh, but he, he could have another nice size to big deal in front of him, uh, just a matter of health, which he struggled with a little bit in the past too. Um, but it's tough for the Jags because they're set up offensively, especially to be upper, upper echelon in the National Football League in 2023. But this doesn't help with that. And I uh, just want to see him get back on the field as quickly as possible. And I know I'm sure Trevor Lawrence does. You know, I mean, that's his guy on his blind side there. So um, tough news, but not entirely unexpected. This had been coming for a while. Puts a little bit, puts a little bit of heat on Walker Little too, right? The, uh, yep. the uh, Jaguars offensive tackle from Stanford, who's been in the pros now, I guess, a couple of years, three years. They lost Juan always... Taylor to free agency too in the off season. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. You know, that, you got to be able to run it for. You got to be able to protect Lawrence. You got to be able to run it too. You know, we'll see what happens with the running game. I I, I really think it starts there. Uh, but uh, definitely Travis Etienne. I mean, they got a guy at running back that can do it. Um, yep. You know, um, I like the pick of Tank Bigsby there in what the third round or so at the running back position uh, to go along with Etienne now. Um, Offensive line has improved, but if there's been a bugaboo for the Jags in recent years, it's been that group as a whole, and so this doesn't help, obviously. Going to be real interesting, as you noted, to see if Calvin Ridley bounces back to that Falcons form uh, that he had a few years ago. You know, he was a – I think his best year with the Falcons was like a 1,300 or 1,400-yard receiving season. So um, he he was – you know, what's such a shame about what happened with Ridley, Not it's not just what he did, but he did it right when his career was hitting a hell of a peak. Yeah. Um, and so now he's uh, basically looking at a year and a half or two-year layoff, whatever it is. And it's going to be fun to see how he rebounds. 
Yeah, it, it was tough. I think at the time, you know, catching up with him and some of the stuff that's been reported since Calvin, apparently from a mental health perspective was in a pretty dark place that it sort of culminated with all of this. So obviously you don't want to see a, a player in his prime is lose a year, uh, unpaid uh but who knows maybe that break uh in some other ways helped calvin to sort of reset and uh sounds like he's good to go and energized and uh, ready to do some good things they got christian kirk at one of the wide receiver spots they got some weapons to go along with him so uh the opportunity is certainly great for him right now all right, before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast, on the Belly Up Podcast Network, we are going to hit that two-deep tumbler really quickly, like we've been doing throughout the summer. We're going to give it a swirl here, right here. You can hear that tumbler go. As, as we know, the, the tumbler's got a mind of its own. Sometimes you want two out of it, and it gives you four. Uh, but let's see if we can uh, – Powerball. Yeah, this, this time it gave us two. That'll work. That's the closest right, you're going to get to the lotto in the state of Alabama, by the way. This right here. <laughs> this is it. No question about it. All right. The two balls that came out of the tumbler here, uh, number 26 comes out, Jam Miller, the backup running back. We'll discuss him a little bit real quick. And as well, what else comes out here? Number 45 comes out as well, Robbie Oots, the tight end. Uh, so uh, thoughts, Travis, on these two guys. Uh, we call it the two deep tumbler for a reason, right? And I'm not talking about a couple of star players here, but Miller, a guy, Travis, who's who's flashed in fourth quarter action. We really haven't seen him uh, at the running back step spot much in crunch time. Oots, a guy who you will see early in games here and there, kind of on a rotational basis as a, as a tight end, kind of a – Fair to call him a Baron Huber type, I guess. I mean, he's 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 not a Y, really. I, I, he kind of seems like more of an H. But yeah. but Nick Saban's got room for that guy on his roster, or at least at least one or two of them. Well, if this is really going to be more about more tight ends and more pounding the rock, I think it's pretty appropriate that you drew those two guys together because you talk about guys that could benefit more from a direct run approach. Uh, instead of maybe east and west as much as we saw, especially last season, because that really suited Jameer Gibbs, right? That really suited Jace McClellan in some ways, what we saw a year ago, how Alabama ran the football with the outside zone and that type of stuff. But it looks like this is going to be more of a direct run type of situation. you know. Um, and so I would think for Jameer Mil- uh, Jam Miller, excuse me, Watching him and kind of having a little bit of an idea of his running style, uh, I think it's good for him. I think it's good for a guy like Roydell Williams. Those aren't – I think Jam can do a little bit of everything. Don't get me wrong. Um, but when I watch him, there, there's efficiency in his running style. He's decisive. He gets northwest. He gets north-south. Um, I feel the same way about Roydell. And then for Robbie Oots, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go with more 12 personnel or a good bit of it, which, you know, they've done that in the past, even before Tommy Reese, um, you know, he would seem to complement C.J. Dupree pretty well in terms of how they could use him off the ball, maybe online a little bit, in line a little bit. But what do you think, Chase? I think these are a couple guys that you, you 
drew them out right on time uh, when you consider this offense and where it might be headed. They come out in interesting pairs out of that two deep tumbler trap. Remember <laughs> last time we podcasted, we pulled uh, we pulled Tyler Booker and Jaheim Otis together. You know, yeah. perfect pair right there. A couple of same class, right? Sophomores, are you young linemen on the on the squad on either side of the ball? And yeah. and uh, here things we get like, Miller like and Noah's Oops coming out of the tumbler. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's gonna give us. It's gonna give us Milrow and Simpson next week. You know, to right, yeah. right out of there. But uh, yeah, you know, Oots. I think you. I think you, you'll you'll see more of Oots early in the season than you will Miller. I think because you know, again, the twelve personnel. I, like you, I, I think Tommy Reese is going to use tight ends a little bit more, not a ton more, but maybe a little bit more. And so you'll see a little bit more of that twelve look. You'll see a li- little bit more. But for a guy like Jam Miller, though, it's. You don't expect to see a guy like that so much in in September, right? Unless he can happen to crack the two deep, which I think is probably unlikely. But wait till November, Travis, right? When when, when you got to run it back out and another one who pulls a hamstring and is questionable. It's late in the year where all of a sudden you need somebody like Jam Miller to, to, to help in a big way. Yeah, five five running backs are too many in August, but they're not enough usually in November, you know, you're like, you know, remember in November, you're thinking, remember in August when everyone's saying, man, I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to feed these guys. And then you're down to like a back and a half in mid November, like they've been, it seems like in recent years. So absolutely. And this isn't to imply what I'm talking about with Jam Miller in terms of what I like about him, that he is plotting or doesn't have good speed. Now, in comparison to uh, Jameer Miller, I mean, Jameer Gibbs, yeah. I mean, I get it as far as you're not going to have that kind of guy in the backfield this season. Uh, but again, relative to what you're sort of anticipating them doing more of with this group, I think the backs they have, including Jam Miller, uh, it sets up pretty nicely for them. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. We are coming up on the 4th of July, and of course, a couple of weeks after that, we're looking at SEC media days. So the, the turn of the season is kind of sort of approaching, I guess, Travis. But what about the holiday? What are you going to be doing with the fam on the 4th on Tuesday? Uh, you know, I mean, pretty standard. I think it's going to be burgers and dogs probably. Uh, with maybe some brats mixed in there on the grill, uh, a little pool time, getting the family together. We got the oldest daughter coming in from Hawaii, so that'll be good. Uh, You know how it is, man, with three kids that are adult age now. If you get two of the three together, that feels like a win a lot of times. You know, you get two, even two of the three at home together. You feel like, wow, that's pretty good. So, that's about what we're looking at. What about you? I mean, are you are you gonna have the fireworks? Are you gonna are you gonna light up Lake Crest? Is it gonna be light up Lake Crest with the, that's uh, a perfect segue talking about getting two out of the three kids because I got three kids myself. Of course, you and I have both right. both have three, and they're roughly the same ages. We're gonna have a pretty standard fourth around the house. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get out on that grill and, and do something and. And maybe uh, maybe rip off a few firecrackers. Only one of our children <laughs> in town for the fourth, however. But but That's then on the fifth, um, 
Yeah, but but then but then I go on on vacation immediately following, and uh, we're going to run down to Belize, which is a nice. uh, a place you've been, I think yourself. Highly I've never recommend. been. Oh yeah, and we're we're going to get down there with two of our three kids, our oldest and uh, our middle child, are going to join us down there for about four days, and I think we're going to get back on uh, July 9th. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a fun trip, and it's easier than you think. Um, you got airlines like Southwest that go into Belize city and it's, it's pretty, it's an, it's not a hard trip and yeah, you guys are going to have a blast, man. No doubt. Looking forward to it. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa news and co-host of Crimson cover television. And we'll talk to you next time right here on talking tide.